Extraordinary men and women went before us with unmatched resilience. Enduring hardship, when called upon to defend and liberate, they said yes. They found courage to rise with every sun, loyalty toward their country, discipline for every command. Even in the darkest hours, they said yes. They cherished and fought for freedom, so those coming behind them were assured of it. And when the moment came for them to give it all, their futures never to be written, they said yes. Today we think upon their sacrifice and find our way to honor them. Saying yes to making the most of what they gave us, and filling the earth with God's goodness, we thank them for their yes. They will never be forgotten. And today, here at Calvary on this Memorial Day, we are grateful that they said yes. I'm Bo, I'm the associate pastor here at Calvary, and let me just say as the introduction to this time in our worship today, we celebrate a risen Savior who gave it all for us as Christians. And today on Memorial Day, we pause and we take a moment to remember those in our armed forces, those who have served in our military, that have ultimately paid the price with their lives to protect our freedoms. And today, no matter what political persuasion or where you fall, I am so grateful, and I think you would be grateful, that we are able to celebrate freedom in this country. And even while we're gathered in this means today, you understand that that means that this message can go out through the internet without restriction. That we're not worried today that our government might censor because ultimately there have been people that have gone before us who have paid the price with their lives to protect the freedoms of this country. So if you're a friend or a family member of someone who's given their lives, we honor you today and we remember those people today in our worship. I'm so grateful to be able to remember them today and ultimately to bring you a message today that I believe will encourage your life, your heart, and uh, it really falls out of some reflection that I've been doing in this season. I know many of you haven't seen me. I've been behind the scenes here at Calvary. But as I've walked through this same season as you, God has been placing on my heart some great things as I've been in my personal time reflecting. And, and these next two weeks, these foundations for our lives, as I'm calling it, from Proverbs chapter 3, I hope it will encourage you because God has reminded me so much in this season how important foundations for our life are. You see, during this time period in our lives, I don't know if you felt this way, but I felt a lot of ways my rhythm and my routine very shaken. And with that, I started to take a hard look at the foundations of my life, and I realized very quickly that we as people are very frail, very weak. We have cracks in our foundations, and ultimately God gives us through his word some great truths to help shore up those cracks, to help stabilize that foundation, and ultimately help us in our lives as we move forward. So I'm so grateful today to be starting in Proverbs chapter 3 today. Today we're going to read the first part, and we're going to talk about one of the great principles for foundation for our lives. So let's read together 
Proverbs chapter 3. If you've got your Bible with you, turn. It'll also be on the screen with me. But let's turn together and read the first eight verses of Proverbs chapter 3 and allow God to speak to our hearts and show us how to shore up the foundations for our life. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of your days and the years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. For it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, I don't know about you, but today, in the middle of what we're walking through, I need some refreshment to my bones. I need some healing to my fresh flesh. And so let's pray together and let's walk through this passage and see what foundation today we have for our life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this word. And I pray today that you will help us see the foundations for our life. God, you will help us see a great principle that will help shore up the cracks when we're exposed. And God, no matter our future, no matter how life turns back to so-called normal in the days to come, I pray that you will show us where we need to look to you in all things, even when life's just a little more normal. So we ask you to help us today and to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage is awesome, and I love this passage because as I've been walking through the same season as you, this passage stuck out. And really the first foundation, the first principle we have today that we're going to explore is how to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, I believe if you want to shore up the cracks that are exposed in our lives when things hit us that we weren't expecting and we were not expecting this season, Ultimately, we learn to shore up our life by first and foremost learning to trust in the Lord. And trust is such a unique thing. It's a word that we know we use, but maybe we don't realize how much it impacts our life. You see, trust has a sense of safety, security, of confidence in something, or hope for something better. Trust is really important for our lives. But as we go throughout this life, as we begin to live our lives, especially as adults, we start learning how feeble and frail trust can really be. It's interesting to me that children, right, I've got a little three-year-old, and children, as you watch them when they start their lives, they pretty much trust anyone. They trust their parents, they trust even strangers, even when we might not want them to. As they go throughout life, they trust any and everything that they come in contact with. And that's because they've not yet seen trust fail them. But at some point in each one of our lives, the places that we place our trust will fail us. For instance, some of us 
puts trust in our loved ones, family and friendships and relationships. And man, if you've not experienced someone break trust in some way, shape, or form, you've not really allowed your heart to be opened up because in relationship as people, we at some point or another will break trust. Even in the most uh, coveted relationships like a marriage, we will some point break some trust. Also, sometimes we place trust in our abilities, and that leads into careers and incomes. And we've seen in this season, man, if we place our trust in careers, they can fail us. They can be gone, even without our own doing, in the blink of an eye. Our trust cannot be found in that. In our incomes, our properties, the things we own in this life, they rust and are destroyed. And we pretty much see that on a regular basis. Trust in those things won't last Obviously, our health, right? We, we, we love to feel healthy and trust that we are going to be good when we wake up. And if you've ever walked through something difficult with your health, trust can fail. You see, I don't know where you are today, but I know this. If you're a human being, you have experienced some break of trust in your life. And you see, to shore up that foundation, those cracks that the lack of trust creates in your foundation in this broken world, there is one source that this passage reminds us that we can trust with our whole heart, and that is the Lord, our God, Yahweh. He is the one that ultimately we find all of our trust. So today, if you're walking into this stream and maybe you're not a part of our church, you you have never trusted the Lord before, I want to walk through some reasons of why. Why would we trust in the Lord? And listen, If you have faith in Christ and you're part of our congregation, you know, let me remind you of those promises today. Because for me as a pastor, even though I'm not skeptical, I know I should trust in the Lord. These promises, the why we should trust that trust God that have been given in this passage, they're so important for reminding us in our lives where we place our trust and why we place our trust in the Lord. So this passage gives us four promises. These are the whys. Why we should trust in the Lord. The first one we see is in verse 2. It says, for the length of the days and the years of life and peace they will add to you. The writer of Proverbs is saying in this part that we ultimately need to trust the Lord because God's way leads to longer life and peace. God's way leads to longer life and peace. The pragmatic thing I can show you because a lot of times we hear this, okay, obey God trust the Lord and what he says, and it leads to longer life. And sometimes we don't know what really the connection point is. It's not some mystical ability that if you trust God, you're never going to have cancer or never be in an accident, that the things of this world, you will avoid all the hardships of this world. If you just trust the Lord, that's not what the writer is saying. He's saying that if we follow God's commandments, and that's ultimately where we place our trust is we follow God and choose to follow him with all of our heart, then ultimately there's going to be a better life for you. You're going to gain longer life. The example I would give is like my daughter. And right now through this season, we've been going on walks through our neighborhood. Anybody with me on that, right? More walks than ever before because you've been cooped up inside. And we've been doing that. It's not been our rhythm or routine, but I've really enjoyed these walks with my daughter. And what I've realized as we've walked with her is there certain basic commands that we give as parents. Sometimes we don't even realize, and we do this to extend the life of our children. So for Shiloh on these walks, one rule we have is when we cross the street, we hold hands with a parent and we don't cross without the parent, right? 
Now, most good parents would understand, yeah, that's something you would do, especially if you don't have a horde of children, right? If you can focus on the one. We just got one to worry about across the street, so we can hold the hand. And as we cross that street, she holds our hand because we want to ultimately extend our life. We want to give her a long life. And we give her that command, that way of our family, ultimately to help her live. This doesn't mean she can't get sick. This doesn't mean she won't have hardship in her life. But by listening to her parents, she extends her life. The commands of God that this pastor is talking about, the reason we trust God with his commands, with what he says to do for our lives, is because ultimately it extends our life. It does pragmatically in this world, even as broken as it is, it extends. And then ultimately he promises, more importantly, that it gives us peace. Because you see, I'll go back to that example. As Shiloh listens to us, she doesn't have to worry about the oncoming traffic. She doesn't have to worry about all the factors that mom and dad are worried with. She gains peace. If you've ever been a subordinate or someone in charge, you know the difference. When you're in charge, you always want to be in charge. But when you're in charge, there's a lot of stress over making decisions, right? There's a lot of stress over having the authority to make the call. But when you're a subordinate, you get some peace. And what God has asked us is that we would place our full trust in him, that we would become subordinate to his way and his will. And in that, there's peace to know that, yeah, you've got to learn to understand God, but you really don't have to make the call. You don't have to stress about what's next in your life. God's made the way. There's great peace in that. And in the midst of a season full of stress, anxiety, a lot of things we've been going through, I think we all can resonate with the longing for peace. And what I've realized as I've walked through this passage and I've reflected on trusting the Lord is that when I trust him with all my heart, man, there's great peace. I don't have all the answers figured out, but I know there's peace in my life because I know who has the answers and it's God's way. The second promise we see here is not only that there's long life and peace, But in verse 4, it says, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And what he's telling us is that God's way gives favor for us among God and man. That God's way, if we choose to trust him and trust his way, ultimately, it brings great favor. And yes, it brings favor from God. I think we resonate with that. But we, we often forget it also brings favor here on earth among man. Favor is only important when it's important. So to help you understand this idea of favor, it's only important when you need someone to do you a favor, right? You're in a pickle, something you need done, and it takes more than your own strength to do it, right? Everybody ever been there? Like if you've got a big construction project at your house and you don't own a truck, right? What is everybody calling on the favor? The guy with the truck, right? And it's only important when that project comes up for you to have a truck, right? But if you, that favor is not extended and the people you know with trucks can't come through, then you're stuck. There's not much hope for that project or for your life. Favor is only important when it's important. And I want you to see here that like we all reach a point in our lives where we need both the favor of God on our life. And I think we would all, especially as Christians, resonate with that part. But also to live in this world, you also need favor from man. 
In Luke, he reminds us that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He even talks about the Son of God growing in favor with man. The, the, God, the Son of God that was crucified, he was taken to the cross by mankind. He still had favor among man. His ministry would not have been powerful without man having favor and resonating with what Jesus would have to say. And here for us, what the Proverbs are teaching us is that if we will just trust God and walk with him, there's great favor, both from God on our life when we need him. And I know for many of you, you've needed him in this season. Guess what? He extends his good favor, even when you can't recognize it, upon your life. But then also, God gives you favor with people around you, with coworkers or family members that are difficult, or children that have been rambunctious, or coworkers or bosses, or all the people we interact with, God will give you favor. Even if they don't understand your faith, even if they don't get why you believe, if you trust God and you follow his way, there is a great promise of favor. And you see, I want to make sure you understand this favor of man principle is so important because it really flies in the faith to two, flies in the faith of two dangerous things that we do in our society. There's two ways we view others around us that are very dangerous for us as Christians that we must realize is not God's way. The first way that it flies in faith of is doing whatever is easiest so that all people like me. The favor of man that God is talking about here is not the favor that I do whatever I want so that people will like me. Sometimes you will do what God says and they will not like what you're doing, all right? And the Proverbs is not talking about that type of people-pleasing mentality. I promise you, Jesus Christ, if it says he had favor with man, he did not come to please people, right? So I want to make sure we realize that first and foremost, if you're a people-pleaser in the room today, guess what? God is not asking you to always please people because sometimes people-pleasing will lead us astray and away from trusting God. We'll begin to trust people with our lives. But it also flies in the faith face of the my way or highway approach to life. And those are for people that maybe don't value others as much as they should. And we as Christians throughout the scripture have been called to love our neighbor and be good citizens of this world. And let me just tell you, the Proverbs is not saying that when you follow God with your life and you trust him, that it's forget everybody else, I'm following God. In fact, if we follow God, everybody else, should, we should find favor among them. And so this passage flies in the face of both those realities. And we must watch out as Christians not to say it's my way or the highway, but also not do everything in our life to please others. We must focus on what God says for our lives and the promises as we focus on God that people will give us favor. Favor is only important until you need it. The next promise not only do we find that our long life and we find peace for our life, not only do we find the favor of God and man, but in verse 6, it says there that if you acknowledge him in all your ways, he will make straight your paths. God's way makes a straight path for my life. God's way makes a straight path for my life. Have you ever been there? Like this analogy is we can all resonate as people because sometimes we're going through our lives and we feel like our life is on a winding road. It's kind of like the highways in the mountains. And I don't know about you, but if you're not careful, the highways in the mountains, especially if you're in the backseat of the car, can get you really nauseous. And as people, we sometimes get to looking to our lives and we realize we've been on the winding road and we become kind of nauseous of the path 
that our life's taken. We're kind of tired of the way our life looks. The great promise of God is that he will make your path straight. Now, this analogy is not that God will take you from the road you're on and put you on a different road. All right, it's not taking you from the mountain highway and putting you on the different path. I think sometimes we think that. God actually takes out the shovel or the crane or whatever piece of equipment you want to use this analogy, and he carves out a new path for your life. Instead of taking you on that winding curve, he actually creates a new road on the path of your life. You don't get to do over, but instead he carves out the way for you. And I can tell you this from experience. If you trust the Lord with all of your heart, God, you will find God showing you exactly where he wants you to go. He will be carving things, and you won't even do things at times that make it go that way. And all of a sudden, you see that God has opened a door, and there's a direction to go that you never dreamed possible because God's been taking the shovel to your life and digging out the new road. And all of a sudden, you find that your path's a whole lot straighter And you're a whole lot less nauseous than you were before. In this season, I felt that in my life. I felt at moments with everything stripped away. Man, I felt anxious, stressed. And and I haven't even had it that bad. But I felt all these things being at home, not gathering with the church, things like that. And all of a sudden, as I read his word and reminded of God's promises, I felt God saying, your path is straight. Don't deviate just because life gets hard. Stay the course. Remember your faith. And don't worry. If there's a bump in the road, I'm going to smooth it out. This is just a bump for us as people. This season will pass. Every hard season in the history of mankind has passed. It will pass. It's a bump in the road. All you have to do is trust the Lord, and he will make your path straight. And then lastly, the fourth promise of this passage is in verse 8. I love the end of this. It's been a resonation for me with all the sickness around us. It will be healing for your bones and healing for your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This idea that God's way brings healing to your body and refreshment to your soul. God's way will heal you. Now, there is the miraculous healing of God. But I will question that I believe this part of the passage, because he's talking about following God's way and trusting God with his way, and it brings healing to your body. How does that happen? Well, I believe as we study anxiety and stress and all those triggers internally, that the Proverbs, the writing of Proverbs is speaking to the fact that our body is better off when we leave our future and our direction in the hands of God. That if we don't stress and don't get anxious and worry, and I know that's easier said than done. I get that. Especially if you've gone through a loss of a job or someone in your family has gotten sick. I get that it's easier to talk about than do on a daily basis. But the promise is is that we trust God and learn to give these things over to him. That our bodies are actually healed from that. And there's great studies done on the, the effect on the body for anxiety, stress, emotional difficulties, as well as sickness in your life. Let me just encourage you, first and foremost, trust God. Give it over to him and allow the anxiety and stress, even if it's just for a moment, to fade away. Because as we learn to trust God on a daily basis, it helps 
our bodies, as broken as they are. It also brings refreshment to your soul, your spirit. You're going to be a better person because ultimately you have a better outlook on life. As you know God has got this and it's a bump in the road, guess what? Your soul is going to be refreshed. And we all need those moments where we allow God to speak to our souls. So that we understand this part, I just want to make clear, this is not some kind of health and wealth type of promise. This is not that you can trust God and just walk out and and you think, man, if I just trust the Lord, I won't ever get sick. I can go out into society, do whatever I want, and therefore I won't get sick. That's not what this passage is saying. It's saying that if we trust God, he's greater than all of those things. If we trust God, our bodies will be made whole. And one day, they're made whole in eternity. But on this earth right now, there's a great spiritual promise that's good for our bodies physically. Because the spiritual life, whether you realize it or not, it does impact you physically. And also, it brings great refreshment for your soul. So those are some promises, and I believe those are some of the reasons why you should trust the Lord. If you've never trusted the Lord today, those are some reasons why. If you're a Christian today, those are some great reminders of the promises that God has given for your life. But how? How do we trust in the Lord? Because we can know the promises of God all day long, but if we're not careful, we miss out on the how. We're reminded of the truths, but we forget how to daily practice them, how to walk in trust. And it's not just this super spiritual, I just trust you today, God. There's some great practical things that the writer of Proverbs gives us today in this chapter that ultimately reminds us why we should trust the Lord and then how we do it. The first thing we see is in verse one. He writes, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. It's a father writing to his children in this proverb. He's reminding young men what to do in the face of growing up. And what we're really getting out of this and we're we're reminded is that ultimately, when we choose to trust in the Lord, we have to believe, I have to believe, that his way is the best way. Ultimately, the pragmatics of how is each and every day, I have to believe That the Lord's way, God's way, is the best way. And if we're honest, if we're truly honest, we may say that with our mouths, but we don't really live that with our lives. A lot of times, for me, Bo's way is the best way. I don't like God's way sometimes because sometimes it's just not clear. Sometimes it's in the face of what I want to do, and I don't like that so much. I like my way. And if you're honest today... Many times, especially in this season when we're stressed and the cracks of our foundations are exposed, we don't truly trust that God's way is the best way. We start defaulting to normal. And and this is very similar. The example I'd give you here is any type of training you've had to have in your life, whether it be an active sport, whether it be learning an instrument of some kind, whether it be just working on exercising. If you've ever had someone try to train you for something, you can do it one of two ways. You can do it your way, or you can do it their way. But if you can't get there on your own, you have to have someone speak into that. And a lot of times we are so prideful that we fail to have someone speak in or listen to someone speaking in. And ultimately, we don't give it their way. We keep it to our way. And with that, there's no progress. You see, the reason we must believe that God's way is the best way is because God ultimately is our great father. It says, my son, because he's speaking to his children. 
And as children of God, we must remember that a parent's love and faithfulness for their child, it always leads to instruction for our lives. A parent's love for their children, it always leads to instruction for our lives. A lack of instruction, a lack of discipline, a lack of guidance, that's not love. God loves you so much that he's given you instruction. He's told you through his word how to live your life. And if we choose not to listen, we must be very careful because ultimately we're choosing to reject the love of God. And ultimately, we miss out on all those promises he's given for us. It comes down to authority. In this world, we have a hard time with authority, more and more than ever before. Some of you know that when there's authority over your life, you submit to that. Proper authority, you submit to it. But for some of us, we've grown up and we've, we've really had a hard time with authority. Maybe it's from a lack of trust. Like there again, that word. The authority has been broken in some shape or form. Promises have not been fulfilled, and therefore, we don't trust authority. A great example in this is any of you that have gone through maybe bad fathers or bad parenting mothers right in your life, and maybe you've seen the, the, the dysfunction of this world through you parenting in your life, and maybe that's cause for you not to trust authority. God is worthy of your trust. And if you can trust him, ultimately, you must submit to his authority. We also, in this passage, see in verse 3, we've got to commit his way to memory. If we're going to believe his way is the best way, we've ultimately got to commit his ways to our memory. That's how we do it. And you see, it talks about how you need to bind them around your neck and write them on your heart. What it's saying is, if you bind it around your neck, think about it for a second, ultimately you never lose it, right? Like if something's hanging around your neck, you ever had something hanging like a tag or something like that? If it's hanging around your neck, it's really hard to lose it, right? I mean, you will know when that thing comes off your neck, and then writing them on your heart is throughout Scripture. Some references, Jeremiah 31, 33, talks about writing the God, commands of God on your heart. Proverbs 7, 3 and Proverbs 6, 21 both talk this way. Deuteronomy 6, 8, right? You bind them on your hand and write them on your heart, the commandments of God. Scripture talks about that if we want to believe that God's way is the best way, we've got to commit them to our heart. So today, if you want to learn to trust God more, this first step is believing his way is the best way. And how you do that is by ultimately committing his word to your heart, binding it around your neck, writing it on your heart. And that takes some work in the Bible. It takes reading God's word on a daily basis. I've been so blessed. I started a yearly plan this year in 2020, and I've been so blessed to walk through scripture. I know many of you can resonate with this. But that daily walkthrough has ultimately helped my life so much in this season where there's been a lot of um, dysfunction, a lot of lack of routine. That routine has many days given me the thing I needed to be able to endure this season. Reading the Bible daily and understanding it, writing down commands and promises, putting them in front of your eyes, wrestling with the Bible. I know there's some commands we're not talking about today that are difficult for some of you. Listen, wrestle with it. Talk with friends and other believers, pastors, about those commands. Figure out what God's saying through his word. Don't just put it aside. Wrestle with it. If you truly say today that you believe God's way is the best way, then wrestle and learn and understand and commit your life to knowing what he says. That's ultimately how we believe. But the second thing the passage shows us is that we have to acknowledge God in our lives. Verse 6 and 7, in all your ways acknowledge him. We have to acknowledge him in our lives. We have to speak about God 
How many of you in this season have talked about your faith or about your God? As you've had to make decisions, have you given God credit for those decisions? We have to be people that acknowledge God. If we want to trust him and we want to feel that every day, we have to acknowledge him each and every day. And that means, by the way, in verse 7, it says, don't be wise in your own eyes. We have to be humble. Lifelong learners is a term we use around here. We have to be people that are constantly being willing to learn and not being set in our own ways. And I'm going to be real honest with you. When things get tough, it's easy to default, to go back to default, to revert to normal, to go back to some bad programming of the cracks of your foundation instead of looking to God, submitting your will to him, and saying, I trust you. Through this season, I trust you. God, I'm going to walk according to your way. But as we do that, we see these promises fulfilled. And ultimately, acknowledging God helps spread God in the midst of time where God seems absent. Listen, I know that in this time, it seems like God is not there. Why is the world in this chaos? Let me just tell you, people of God, you need to confess that God is still working. And confess that even if you lost your job or you had some health issue or even if you've been hit with something, God is still working. And confess it with your mouth. Even online, if you can't go see people, confess it. Talk about it. As you confess it, you know what happens? Yes, you spread God, but the trust of God gets instilled further and further in your heart. Your assurance of God grows and grows. Your confidence in God is stilled short up. Trust God and acknowledge him with your life. Lastly, in this passage we see that we are to trust God with all of our heart. But the problem with this passage and the problem if you've ever experienced life is that ultimately, if you try to follow God's commands and try to acknowledge God, all these things we've said, you're going to fail at some point. What I want to remind you this morning is that Jesus said he came to fulfill all the law. His life was given so that he would fulfill. And even when we fail in these two ways, we can trust God because ultimately God gave his own son. So we can trust God when we give our heart and life to follow Jesus. You see, you can follow God's commands all day long, and you can talk about God each and every day. But if you've never given your heart and life over to Jesus Christ, let me just tell you, God earned our trust when he sent his son ultimately into this world to minister, but then be given up to the cross to take on all the pain, all the dysfunction, all the sin. Take it all on, death on a cross. Talking about Memorial Day, Jesus sacrificed his life so that all of us might know God if we would just trust him. And he overcame death so that we may join God one day. And that's why you can trust in the Lord. Because of ultimately the work of Jesus Christ, his son here in this world. God loved you so much as the father that he sent his son to die for you. That is why you can trust God. Because he made a way when there was no way. He made it possible that on our worst days that we might still could turn to him and follow his commands. And I'm just going to be real transparent. This season has shown me, even as a pastor, as a follower of Christ, I can be so disrupted by one thing entering this world. My whole world gets disrupted. And without Christ, without Jesus, his work on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, guess what? I would crumble. 
the foundations of my life would crumble without the strength and the power of Jesus Christ's work for me. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe you've already chosen to follow Jesus for your life. And these commands, these promises are great reminders for your life. But if you haven't trusted God, if you haven't given your life over to Jesus Christ, that's really the first step. If you want to receive the promises we talked about, if you want long life and peace, if you want favor from God and man, if you want ultimately to have healing and refreshment for your bones, and you want to see God working in amazing ways over your life, you've got to trust in Jesus Christ for the first time today. And I don't care that you're at home and it's over a screen. I don't care that we've been disrupted. It's the most important thing you can do because we've been showing, shown in this season that life is a vapor. James 4, 14 says, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. We've learned that, right? One day, the NBA closes down. The next week, life is shut down. You don't know what will happen tomorrow, James says. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Whether we had sickness in this world or not, the truth remains the same. Our life is a vapor. It's an instant gone. And only trusting in Christ can secure your eternity, can bring you to peace with God and make a way. I want to remind you of some verses, and then we're going to have a time to pray. But there's some verses that tell us about salvation. I just think it's important. If you've never trusted Christ, here's how you do it. To remember that you've sinned, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all in the same boat. All of our foundations has crumbled. And so there's no, like, hierarchy here as we talk today. There's no betterment for being a pastor than there is a person watching online. Wherever you are, we have all been disrupted. We've all messed up. All of our foundations were crumbling. Because see, in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That sin means that there's death, both here in our world, but also in the one to come. There's death for us because we've separated ourselves from God, the true life source. But then ultimately, we're reminded that in God made a way in Romans 5, 8. It says this, God did not commend his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, God can be trusted because even when we were messed up, Christ died for you and me. Romans 10, 23 says this, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. And how do we do that? Well, ultimately it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in all your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's that simple. You're choosing today, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart, you're choosing to follow his way. And so typically how we do that is we do that through a prayer. It doesn't have to be specific. I'm going to give you an example in a moment. But if you would like to pray this prayer, this prayer will help seal your heart so that ultimately you can believe in Jesus. Would you pray with me right now?